pale horse. The man who sat on him was dead. And hell followed with him. You're killing me, man. Hello and welcome to Declarations of War. I am your host, Alexei Vajkar, joined by my fellow noir brethren, Levitane. G'day, g'day, g'day. Hello out there and welcome. We have a very cool episode for you. We have been watching the EVE Alliance tournament. We have all the action and the results, a little bit of analysis, as well as updates to our faction warfare contract. But first, we had a pretty interesting discussion in the previous episode between leaders of the Galenti and Kaldari militia. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and check it out. And part of that discussion was the role of Snuffed Out and how they're kind of uh, an existential threat for these faction warfare alliances. They can't really deploy structures or use capital ships reliably because Snuff will farm them consistently. So they had a bit of a discussion about if and how and under what conditions they might you know, work together against the common foe. So we asked our audience, should faction warfare militias team up against outside threats? 50-50 vote that they should do it all the time, essentially. And 50% said only against the existential threats, which would be, say, a snuffed-out type or maybe the largest NELSEC alliance coming in killing everybody. Interestingly, not much support at all for the straight no option, but it didn't sound like our faction warfare guests got on the same page by the end of that show. I'm, some, I'm not that surprised by that result, really. I mean, I, I think anyone who's been in low set for long enough recognizes that I think a lot of people want to play with the big toys, but there are certain groups that will drop on you consistently with much bigger toys all the time. So I'm, I'm, and I think people recognize that the game's not in a state where you can just say flat out no. I think you want to have content wherever you can do, and I think, I think it's fair if you, if there is a, a boogeyman like that, you take them down. Yeah, I mean, you kind of see this with like Fight Club type alliances in Nullsec where they're fighting each other all the time in this confined space. But as soon as someone comes from outside the region, they band together. It's not done reliably, but when it works, it works well. I don't know if Faction Warfare will ever get to that point, but if they want to stop getting pushed around by Snuffed, they will have to make that uh, make that jump eventually. I think one of the main issues now is they aren't quite on the same page about who gets bullied around by snuffed more. So as long as one side thinks there's an advantage or the other side will get an advantage from snuff's interference or the existential threat's interference, really hard for them to form a common foe type, you know, circle the wagons mentality. Mm. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how the, how the future goes. I mean, maybe with um, a couple more developments as we go on from the show itself and we talk about some of the changes from that. But I'm, I look forward to seeing if and when that plays out. Indeed, but first, Alliance Tournament 18 is over. Congratulations, champion. Truth, honor, light. All Hell uh, Hydra. Yeah, basically <laughs> Hell Hydra. It's Hydra under a new name. I don't know the story for the ticker change, but... A um, couple familiar characters on that team. You had Amelia Dustbase and Kadesh. Those are uh, very prominent YouTubers, lead FCs in Gore and Clade, which made a lot of headlines on our podcast a couple episodes ago. And it was great to see. They had one of the cleanest, most dominant final performances we've seen in a long time. I don't think they lost the ship. Is that right? 
They did not. They 100 to zeroed the second best team, which was Odin's call, in a 3 0 shutout. It was absolutely brutal. And I think at no point during any of those matches did they even come close to being worried. Yeah. Like, considering how good Odin's call had been previously, that is, it was shocking. Uh, I think everyone on the commentary team, everyone in Twitch chat kind of expected Odin's call to be a little more competitive. But it was like. It, Hydra just had had them gamed out from the start. Most of the matches were over in draft phase, and the shot calling from Hydra was absolutely on point, instant. Uh, it was like they were tele telepathic, like they could they could predict what Odin's call was going to do. They knew the Odin's call game plan once they got in the field, and they just reacted to everything immediately. It was pretty amazing. I saw the second fight when I think they just started and there was a sentinel on the Odin's call side and it just vanished quickly. Like it was gone in mere seconds. Yeah, I, um, I was actually I was watching that. I was like, oh, did they like lock and shoot early? Like what happened there? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, I didn't see the third match. What was the compositions for the third match? Uh, for the third match, Hydra went kind of the Octodad variant, I believe. Oh, no, they had their double Blackbird. Excuse me. It was double Blackbird. Ah, so they, I think I think it was, they they went very E War heavy, didn't they? Kind of like, and I, just I think they they showed how it's done. Yeah, they trusted in the RNG, and the thing about the RNG is most of the time it doesn't work out for teams. But I think Hydra, the main difference is they cracked the code and figured out a way to still make the match work for them, even if they didn't get all the jams that they wanted. And most of the time they did get those jams. Uh, they focused their jams on Logi. They focused their jams on uh, key members at the top end while they killed the low end or vice versa. Um, their ECM distribution was on point, very coordinated. Um, I don't know what their comms were like at the time. Maybe we'll get a treat and get some of those matches posted on YouTube from their perspective. We'll hear what that shot calling was like. Um but they must have had like a dedicated electronic warfare FC or just had them like uh, let the E-War pilots talk more than the rest of the team to make sure that they roll on point because they were just ruthlessly efficient at it. Yeah, a, a stunning win from their side of things. You know, and uh, yeah, it just Odin's call, absolutely top tier team. But yeah, they were brushed aside. It was not. I think from their side of thing, I think they'll be disappointed not to have taken a little bit of a little bit of a piece of um, of truth. But at the end of the day, they're still walking home with a decent prize pot as runners up and an automatic invite to the next tournament. Um, so they they can be really proud of their efforts. Yeah, this cut. This point was made on commentary. Odin's call has been getting progressively better for multiple tournaments in a row now. I think going into the next one, everyone will be looking at them kind of to repeat their performance and see if they can take a couple wins off of Hydra or Hydra B team or whatever version of Hydra gets to the finals next year. <laughs> yeah, no Vulture in the final. dynasty though. they've had. Eh? Yeah, no Volta in the final. They, they obviously lost at the, semi, at the semi-final stage. Yeah, many people considering that an upset. I kind of, I was, well, you know, I know, know Volt is a good team. I don't want any comment I'm about to make to be taken otherwise, but I, I was a little surprised that they did as well as they did considering the rest of the field. Um, Volta surprised me a little bit. They've always been a very solid team. Um, 
you know, very competitive getting close to the final rounds team. But the field this year was so thick with great challengers. And to be honest, a lot of teams were outperforming them or, or looked like they might outperform them. So I was surprised to see them go as far as they did. I thought they did a great job. But yeah, I think some of the matches they won, frankly, were upsets with the way that this field developed. But they still pushed through and had some pretty good setups. Just wasn't enough against Odin's call. I'm not sure what you thought about yesterday, but there were some matches yesterday that were really high quality. So, I mean, one match went to reverse tie-dye. Um, like, I've not seen that before, but a lot of matches really kind of close affairs and would have just little clutch plays here and there. And I thought the quality of the match yesterday was excellent. Yeah. Um, day three, and this is, I think it's in my host highlights, day three was by far the best match setups out of anything like the day three matches were thrilling really top tier teams going at each other pulling out some inventive setups some terrific turnarounds um you know day two had some of that as well but i think day three was just a higher caliber of it It it's really exciting to watch i loved calling it um honestly day four impressive performances but the matches themselves were not as thrilling because they were so sewn up by the winners yeah, I, I'm. I've always kind of wanted to kind of consider. I want to consider doing the um the commentary stuff. But I was just too busy this year. But I mean, what's it like from the commentary side of things? As I know you commentated a lot of these matches, I like. What's it? It's like kind of calling it at that time uh, compared to say just watching it. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, it can be a little tricky because, frankly, the audience gets a better look at some of the action than we do in terms of camera angles, in terms of the information they're being fed. We don't have access to the, uh, to the bars and to the uh, e-war applications and stuff in real time. It's always like 10 second delayed versus what you'll see on the stream. So for anyone who's like, Oh, why aren't they calling? So-and-so got wrapped or so-and-so lost the jam or something like that. It's because it's not really in front of us. The best you can do is I had the actual broadcast on a second screen and I was kind of like, keeping an eye on the main action in front of me and then kind of like side eyeing the actual broadcast itself. So I could see what different electronic warfare effects were going where, because I couldn't fit the entire battlefield to that level of detail in frame all the time. It's pretty tricky. Wow. I just, it's, it it seems weird that you don't have, we'd always assume that sometimes you'd have access to more information than us. Um, but yeah, it's. I think it's the bars are really helpful in terms of just seeing, you know, when when a team's land on a grid and then you just have a quick look and you see that like, that control bar is massive and you just know, okay, there's a lot of control on here. And similarly with the attack and defense bars, I think that's quite a helpful thing. I know they've done that for several years running right now. But from a, from a viewer point of view, it does help in the first kind of first instance of a match to get an idea what they're up against. Yeah, some of those bars can be a little deceptive because you don't always know what's going into that control bar. It could be tackle, it could be ECM, it could be newts that are topping it. And the damage bar, I think, is the most deceptive because it could be huge, but they couldn't they might not have enough to actually apply that damage on target, like enough support or tackle or tracking. It only really counts the raw DPS, and that's not the only factor in determining which team actually has the better damage output. As you say, it's application, isn't it? You know, if you've got you have torpedo set up itself, but if the other guys bring up guidance disruptors and whatnot, your it counts for nothing. And we did see that come into play in some of the matches today. I think the most striking was the um, 
the finals cruise tinker setup that Odin's Call tried. On paper, sounds great. You've got four core battleships. They're super tanky. They can project their damage to literally the entire arena, so they don't have to go anywhere, and there's nowhere the opponents can go that they can't be touched. But the cruise missiles don't apply to sub-battleship targets very well. And so once their tackle died, which it did very, very rapidly, (laughs) thanks to uh, Truth, Honor, Light's um, target calling, they just kind of cut the low end right out from under them. They really didn't have much they could shoot. They tried to go for the flag bar guest, but there wasn't enough damage to break through the absolutely pimped out low slots that that ship has. And they really couldn't scratch the paint of anything else. So they were just kind of sat there. And then slowly but surely, Hydra found a way to dismantle that team one battleship at a time. And that was it. Like, <laughs> at all this, all this tank, all this damage, and couldn't really do much for them. Yeah, the Tinkers are really interesting. I've seen a couple of variants itself. I, you know, sometimes it's a case of a couple of golems, uh, along with others, and command ships itself. It's against big targets that don't have huge amounts of control. You often find that they just wear you down for attrition. But as you say, you know, Hydra, I think, went today really heavy with a lot of E-War itself. So it... and like a golem for example both has both application bonuses and target bonuses so you're not reliant on a vigil but with ravens they don't have that advantage and they don't have the t2 the the marauder resistances of or, and the shield boost resistant bonuses of that kind of setup itself it for me it was a strange one maybe they've found a lot of success for an internal testing but i just I, it, it it didn't seem like a a setup that really had a lot of a lot of power. I think it was a almost like an all rounder setup itself, and Hydra just dismantled it. Yeah, it's a good setup if you're not sure what you're fighting because it'll do okay versus a lot. And there are some compositions it'll do really well for, like um, armor control, that kind of thing, where the ships are not super mobile. It's battleship heavy. Uh, it only has one or two damage dealers. That if you can kill those, the rest of the comp can't really threaten you it's very strong against that kind of comp um but yeah hydra ready for everything they, they you know they've scrimmed against it um they probably saw it come up in some of the previous matches so they knew in the back of their head that it could be a possibility i don't think they were worried about it at all um it was probably one of the easier of the three matches that they had but uh that said, very cool alliance tournament in general. Some really exciting matches, particularly on day two and day three. Um, the right team won. They were flawless in their execution. One of the most dominant finals performances we've seen. And uh, congratulations to them. Congratulations to everyone. I'm happy to say that a lot of the friends of the show, like your Templus Calcifs, uh, your Nanofiber Tokens, your lock range enjoyers, all of those guys did very well, made it into day three. So happy to see our friends succeed. Um, Bright Side of Death also had a pretty respectable run this year. Not enough to get them into the finals, but, you know, it's good to see your friends do well, and they did by and large. Next time, we just need to join them, Alec. I think our, this year was a bit of a disappointment from our side, but we'll be back next year. Yeah, heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Um, yeah, don't don't know what to say about it. Uh, we did better in scrims than we did last year and did worse in the actual tournament. So I don't know what that says, but 
uh, a lot of the pilots that were alumni from our previous Alliance tournament performance were in nanofiber tokens who did very well. So they're my shout out for this week itself. You know, it was great to see uh, Ovix, who was team captain for Noir in eighty seventeen, and these guys. They went one. They we did top sixteen last year. Um, they did top eight this year, which is a real nice improvement. So nothing but love, guys. And yeah, massive shout out and congratulations to you guys. Moving on, we want to give a, a rare shout out to CCP, who is, seems to be knocking out of the park with this patch. Um, there are definitely some misplays. I could rant about Evermarks for an extended period of time. <laughs> uh, just an, an amazing feature implemented in the most aggravating possible way. Um, but they have done really well with these new low-sec battlefields, a new addition to Faction Warfare. They've become extremely popular content. It's something that everyone is super excited about when they pop up. There's pings all throughout the Galenti Discord. Um, you're starting to see some organized fighting over it now to see which alliances are going to be able to capture these things. The site itself is fairly unique. Um, Lave, do you want to go over the structure of these battlefields and under what circumstances they appear? So I've not actually had much chance to kind of play myself on these, but from what I understand, um, they are one site per constellation. And I think they're, they're pretty heavily contested constellations, if I recall. And in these sites are a total of three war pins, one for each faction and one for neutrals, I think. And and that site itself also has NPC spawning, which are a little bit above what you normally see in faction warfare. So uh, like previous to this, if you went into a... Um, like a small site, destroyers, you can still pop the fr- pop the destroyer rat itself in a frigate, and even you know pop a cruiser rat in a frigate itself. The battlefields hit a lot harder than that itself, and I think it's a tug of war mechanic um, to try and hold the site down. Hold this, capturing the site results in a pretty significant kind of increase in terms of your factions. Um, Conquest kind of capture contested uh, points, if you will, so it has a good effect on that and a fairly decent chunk of LP, if I recall. It's an enormous amount of LP, like 10 times what you would get from a normal capture site, a normal faction warfare plex. They're only spawning in frontline systems, as far as we can see. There tends to be anywhere between zero from to two up at a time, never more than two that we've seen. And uh, they're fascinating. You warp in, there's, like Leif said, three different warp ins, and then there are also three capture points within a pretty sizable grid. You can't use any Tech 2 ships, so it's limited to faction, but you can bring your battleships in. And, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a capture point scenario. You need to accumulate enough control of this battlefield to win it. There is a bit of tug of war. There is a bit of, uh, you know, you can capture two let the other guy hold one and you'll win, but more slowly. The NPCs are pretty brutal compared to the normal faction warfare NPCs, which kind of hit like a wet noodle. These things will shred you. You do need to actually bring in some Lodgy. This is intended for like a 30-man fleet or so. You could probably run it with less, but it's hard. And that's not even including fighting the opposing ships that may come in to try to contest it from you. Now, the uh, rewards, substantial. The LP is obviously a huge incentive for a lot of people, but there's a bit more than that. 
It is a big chunk of capture percentage. Most of your faction warfare capturing, you're getting either 0.1 or 0.2% control per plex that you're capturing, which means capturing systems takes forever. (laughs) But with these things, you get a big chunk, 2 to 3% control. And you'll also get something called advantage, which is something we haven't talked about a ton on the show yet, probably because we didn't really understand how it worked and it may or may not have been bugged for the first week or so of the patch launch, but it's 100% working now. It is a modifier which will apply to either the attacking or defending side where you will get more LP, but also more capture percentage. You can deploy various modules and defend various occasionally spawning objectives to affect this. It can either go up or down for you. Uh, The supply caches tend to be the most common thing, caches and depots for both sides. If you protect your sides, your advantage will go up. If you destroy the opposing sides, their advantage goes down, and the relative number is the actual advantage modifier. This modifier acts as a percentage modifier. So if if your faction has a 5% advantage, you will get 5% extra LP, and 5% extra capture value for all the plexes that you're capturing. This doesn't sound like a lot, and really it's not. But at the same time, it can add up pretty spectacularly when you're running like 5, 10, 15 of these in a given hour. It's the equivalent of running an extra two or three of them, which if your opponent is not getting that advantage, means you are graining ground faster than they can take it back from you, which is pretty huge. I gotta say also the they've re, the the new faction warfare map that shows the control is a significant improvement on the last one. It's so much easier to um, go around, and it will show the active war zones that you've got and the active battlefield. So I can currently see that there's a a battlefield up. It shows it, so it's it's really visible for even newer players coming in. They can get in, get into there and see where the front lines are, see where the battlefields are, and it it is a lot more accessible and i think that's a real a, a good thing here you know that ccp have done here it has made it more accessible and i'm all for that it is without exception the best eve map they've made to date and i understand it does a lot less than the in-game map you'll open up and it doesn't have all the powerful statistics and stuff it really just tells you the faction warfare essentials but visually so easy to look at it's very colorful it's clear the systems aren't just little points with dots connecting to them. There's a sense of territory around them because the it's like a a, a geometric area that the that is colored in around a given system. So it kind of projecting a sense of controlling the space around a point rather than just the point itself. And it kind of all comes together to present a very easy to follow, color coded, colorful, information rich map which tells you the main things you want to know who's winning in what spot and where should i go to get content and that's all it does which is exactly what it needs to do yeah i I, again i've got nothing but praise for i do wonder you'd have to wonder if this will become something that they deploy elsewhere perhaps well i hope so i don't know if it will translate one-to-one um given the other statistics that you know, the, the current Eve map has to give or people complain that they're losing functionality. But I think they could take a lot of the learnings from this, a lot of the positive feedback, the things that are working, and apply it to the main map. I'm sure replacing the map is like the last thing they want to do 
I guess they recently relaunched it, but uh, it's undeniably cool. It gives a sense of space a little bit better than the literal star map that, that Eve had, which is also cool. But you know, I think there's a dot land for a reason. The in-game map is very difficult to parse, especially for newer players. And you're not getting that clear abstract sense of what systems connect to which and how far away they are from each other. It's kind of uh, obscured with the geography, obscured with how it's presented, obscured with some of the way the systems connect to each other in not so obvious ways. And yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's a hard problem to solve in general. Um, like I said, I think the, the faction warfare map is the best they've done. I think faction warfare map combined with some of the elements from Dotland is probably a better map alternative than the actual star map, which they should probably keep because it's gorgeous. And if you just want to look at constellations and things and appreciate the beauty of the gigantic Eve galaxy, go for that. But for like information essential to actually playing the game and you don't want anything else and you just want it to be easy to read and aesthetically pleasing, then I would go for something like that. Speaking of aesthetically pleasing, <laughs> our numbers for the Faction Warfare contract look pretty good to me. <laughs> How did we do? Uh, we did all right. So we got the, the final butcher's bill back from our Faction Warfare contract. This was essentially one month of combat in the Faction Warfare Warzone, divided about three-ish weeks prior to the patch and about one week after patch, give or take a couple days. And the goal was just, like, be present, kill a lot, help Galenti stabilize their lines. Everyone was kind of looking at the new patch with the frontline system and very conscious that whatever team <laughs> had the best frontline setup would have a huge advantage going into the new system. Not everyone understood how it worked yet, but we knew about frontlines, and we knew whoever had control of the frontlines or fewer frontlines to worry about would be in the driver's seat here. Our total kills, 48 billion accumulated losses, uh, just under 14.7. So we did, did pretty well, hit our targets for efficiency. I think we ended up just over 85%-ish and some rough napkin math, which is quite nice. Um, obviously, there were a couple days we killed a lot more than others, but in general, I think it was a pretty good, constant state of activity we had a little colorful graph of activity for all of our pilots and most of the pilots that were active were active either every day or every other day very few people popped on just for one or two ops and then popped off for this contract it was kind of consistent a lot of the totals were kind of low but didn't really reflect the amount of fighting a lot of faction worker fighting is frigates or cheap cruisers so we had an extremely high volume of engagement, just didn't necessarily always lead to buckets and buckets of kills, although we did have some big fights and big kills as well, including some freighters, some caps. Um, ironically, and, and in some ways, <laughs> I'll claim credit for this, is the most successful contract in our history. Uh, we beat the Kaldaria militia back so badly in Agos and some of the surrounding systems there that the uh, area was softened up enough for the Galenti Federation to come in with their own offensive and take those systems out of faction warfare entirely. That's how badly we beat up the Kaldari militia in that area. <laughs> yeah, this was, this was a, a glorious contract. Um, great success, completely intentional, absolutely 100% totally legit. Um, we, if you see us invading your space, just be aware that the Glente fleet is not far behind us. 
It's, it was all calculated. Uh, we had wanted to stage and it goes long term because it had like a really good jump range and it was near syndicate and it was near a high sec connection. It was like perfect in so many ways. Just happened to be one of the staging systems for the one of the larger Caldari militia alliances. So we had a hell of a time trying to pull it off of them, but we managed to take a lot of the systems in the area. And as we were gearing up we for a withdrawal, we actually pulled everything out because we thought with the new system, because it was going to be frontline, we weren't going to be able to dock there at all. And we were currently docking in a player station. So we pulled everything out, and then sure enough, CCP came in with the patch and said that it goes, and that entire constellation really was out of faction warfare, no longer capturable which froze out the Kaldari Militia Alliance that was headquartered there. <laughs> we were just fighting. They all of a sudden couldn't get access to all their stuff. So it was a, a pretty funny set of circumstances there. Um, kind of have us rethink our staging for the Militia war zone because, you know, without having a good initial staging point that we could just use all the time, there was no faction warfare combat in that immediate area anymore. We were kind of like, what are we going to do? So we jumped to one of the new battlefronts, essentially. Um, The initial faction warfare map was a bit of Swiss cheese. There was a pretty solid battle line down the middle. However, Galenti Federation had also lost a couple key systems in their back line. So there was a two-front war for them where they were kind of sandwiched and there were Galenti systems that were frontline in their what should be their backline. So we went in to go shore up that and make sure that the backline didn't become any more vulnerable, that we didn't lose more systems, and Kaldari was certainly trying. And at the same time, we were trying to push and retake some of those um, what should be Galenti homestead systems to make sure Kaldari didn't have a staging base to keep threatening their headquarters. So that became our main focus We did pretty well. We managed to hold that system while Galenti took a couple key systems on the offense, and then we uh, participated in flipping some of the systems that Kaldari had been staging out of. There's still two more to go, but we've captured a large number of systems in a very short period of time. And in general, despite being outnumbered, I think it's four to one, the Galenti militia is absolutely dominating Kaldari right now. They're winning most of the battlefields, they're on a roll for system captures. I don't think they've lost one, but they've taken about half dozen. And uh, yeah, it's only going to get harder for Kaldari as we finish up this rear guard action and move more toward the front. Nor has basically decided to stay in faction warfare for a little bit because it's fun. Um, we might take, well, we'll definitely be open for contracts. So don't you worry about that if you have something in mind for us. But in the meantime, this is hot. It's fun enjoying it so we'll see how much progress we can make on the war zone here and uh, in the future who knows maybe uh maybe we'll stay in galenti maybe we'll switch maybe we'll deploy elsewhere who knows uh, faction warfare could also get kind of old you know that's also possible we still have our headquarters and there we can always go back to but i think for right now everyone's kind of enjoying themselves the patch is fresh the action is hot so we're just taking it one fleet at a time Lave, how was this contract for you? You were voted uh, top FC this time around. I didn't do too much, but yeah, it was nice to nice to be back at. So, I mean, I remember back from 
Mission Academy, low set, um, particularly in the Black Rise area, was just there was a lot of kind of content there from kind of from slow man to small fleet stuff. And it's been really nice to get back there because in Thera, you've got about 200 AU walks to a wormhole, then you roam for about 5 to 15 systems, and you find Ishtars that bot, that bot up and dock up, um, and eventually you just find like an overwhelming fleet at some point. And it just, it's, it's quite sparse. In faction warfare, particularly with the changes, it is quite literally, I know where the fight is, I can go there, and there is stuff to do. And the barrier to entry is really low. You know, I'm not having to worry about you know bubbles or whatnot. I can I can roll around and in potentially have hidden plants in my pod, which I don't usually do. And it's just nice to have that kind of that ability to go out there and shoot stuff, you know, and not have to worry about trying to go for it. You might argue that the Puritan in me kind of says, well, you have to work for your kills. But at the same time, this whole system, everyone that is in this system knows the score. We're all in the system knowing that I'm on team A, you're on team B, and we can all shoot each other. And that's great. And if any third parties come, we shoot them too. It's, for, me, for me, it's the best of both worlds. And it's a, it's a no-brainer from the war at least staying in, in the short to midterm because the kill board is rocking green. It's putting in, it's got activity. We've got people on all the time. You know, it's a great time to come in and join particularly if you if you want to come and, and see what noir is about um and just to plug the plug the corp there by the way but i mean it's 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 a great time and i think we we've stayed in into faction warfare and with the battlefield system giving us more content more uh, more kind of abilities to kind of get into kind of larger fights and the particular things as the meta changes i think it's it, it's all all, all 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 speed go right now it's really a good time to be here I think my only beef with Faction Warfare PvP so far is the just how Plex-centered it is, especially with both sides reluctant to drop and fight over structures. You've got these acceleration gate fights where it's very predictable. Both sides know exactly what they have before they're going in. You warp to the acceleration gate, and then there's a pretty sizable delay before you actually land on the field with your opponent. They know exactly where you're going to warp in on, and it, they can control the range. And so your your ability to, you know, kind of kite larger fleets that get themselves established in there is pretty much nil. I miss the opens from the old faction warfare system, where you could warp in from any angle at any range, and there was less lead time between your fleet deciding, okay, we're going to warp in and fight, and then actually getting on grid with your targets. So there is more of a chance of um, you know, kind of catching someone maybe in a position that they don't want to be in, necessarily surprising them, having them decide to engage or run in that split second, potentially making mistakes or not. It's much more controlled, much more simplified, a little bit too much for me, but I am enjoying myself in general. I just That's my one nitpick with it. Mm. I mean, I've not. I've, I must admit, I've, I've not really tried too much of the system. I've just been really busy elsewhere. But I mean, the opens—they had their advantages and disadvantages. Um, and I think just little tweaks right now, I think, will bring the system into a better place. But I think compared to where it was, this is no doubt a step forward. Um, is it like be all end all? No, but it is. It is a good shift forward and actually you know a rare time in the last kind of couple of years where we said well played ccp yeah well played ccp oh yeah i'm 
to be clear, a tremendous step forward for the faction warfare. Um, it's a much better system than they had before. Um, it's it's the hottest thing in EVE at the moment, and I think their null sec game design could use some of the tips from it. I think it's not perfect. There are some things that the null sec solve system still does better, but for what it is, for the, the feature feel that it's kind of going for, I think they're starting at a really good place with it. There's going to be some iterations, I'm sure, um, uh, tweaks to how the various systems interact with each other, tweaks to how the plexes spawn and all that kind of stuff. But for a starting point, you couldn't ask for a better one. It really is um, just one of Eve's most successful releases, I, I would have to say. Not perfect, but better than we've had in a long time. Absolutely a step in the right direction and I'm really glad that Nor got to be a part of it. Even happier that we got to be a part of it through a contract. And I think given the level of uh, investment sides are going to have on pushing the war zones in various directions and the level of player interest in the feature, I hope that it's going to be a source for contract content for us going forward, um, either taking specific sub-jobs for the Glunty Militia leadership or... And perhaps Caldari will cobble up a pile of money big enough for us to switch sides for at least for a little while. And wouldn't that be interesting? Or maybe pay us to go away or work on the other side of the map while they do whatever they're doing. Uh, All interesting prospects. We are. And we don't have a dog in this fight. Galenti, Caldari, it's all the same to us. He's got the bigger bank account. And being ruthless businessmen, you think Caldari would have it, but. Uh, moving into our shout outs because uh, I already gave my host highlight I just want to give a shout out to the Glenty Militia Logistics team really made it easy for us to relocate our staging base what would have been a, just a nightmare of moving modules back and forth is actually really easy all we had to focus on was ships and they took care of everything else so props to them and I really hope that they build the kind of low-sec market hub that they're always talking about. It sounds exciting. I think it's something the game needs. So hats off to you guys. Lave, your highlight and shout-out? Um, my, I think my, my highlight has been partly looking at the AT. I think it's just nice to see the people going back on it. Small faces there. I've been away from the game doing some other things, God of War. I've got to admit, we've been looking forward to it. Um, and then work's just been really busy. Um so it's been a, a kind of a, a bit of a perfect storm that's kept me away from Eve, but I'm hoping now that after this week I can get back more into the action now, which I'm really looking forward to. Well, despite being uh, out of action, you've gotten MVP and best FC for the faction warfare contract. Uh, what can I say? High efficiency. Yeah, the people love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, top killers list also looking pretty good. Uh, I always like when I get on the top killer list, even if I don't get voted on for the other stuff, just because uh, you know, with my work schedule and stuff, it's been a real struggle this year to be as active in EVE as I would have liked to have been. But in the past couple of weeks, um, just the, the way my RL has worked out and the excitement I've got for the Faction Warfare contract, I was on pretty much every night. Um, some nights not for as long as I would like, but I was playing like... Right, four to five days a week, which is awesome. It was good to be back in that groove. Yep, my shout out. I think I, I think I gave it earlier on this today was um, to the Nano Fiber team itself again. Once again, great run to get to top eight. 
is fantastic. And, you know, I, I want from our side of things, you know, the more side of things, I want us to do much better next year itself. And I wonder, you know, just where, if the rules will change that much. I think this year they brought, the CCP had a nice set of rules. I thought that the uh, the fact that they allowed scripted EWOB certainly changed a lot of Metacomps itself. And I certainly felt it was very much more Battleship heavy. And I wonder what they'll change next um, and go from there. I feel like they're under pressure to, to change it a little bit each time. And, and kind of rightly so. You don't want to have the exact same comps year to year. Um but I think you're right. They're at a pretty good spot for comps. We had a huge diversity of comps this year. Um, way more in the past, I think, two or three tournaments than has historically been the case. Um, you've seen more comps and more comps be successful. So I think we're definitely on the right track for balance. Speaking of being on the right track, Noir is looking pretty good. We've had a, I don't want to call it a surge in recruitment over Faction Warfare. We've had a couple new guys, and we've had a lot of interest from much younger, relatively inexperienced pilots. We haven't always been able to accommodate that, but we're working on some ideas. And I would say don't let it discourage you. If you are really into this, you're into PvP, or you want to be, come talk to us anyway. And worst case scenario, the Faction Warfare feature is a great way to get a lot of PvP experience real fast. <laughs> you know, if you try it and you find that you actually like it and you start to get good at it, come give us a call. Uh, declarationsofwar.com to participate in this show's poll. YouTube.com slash C slash AlexiFK to check out our show highlights and PvP videos for NOR. And yeah, we're really interested in talking to you for NOR recruitment. It's kind of humming along right now. The holiday season is a good time to get in and get your feet wet because we're starting to get to that time of year where things are getting a little bit relaxed until we really hit the ground running in January and take on what is usually a string of big contracts as the winter is usually a time where Eve tends to get a little fighty. So if you're interested in faction warfare, but also more than faction warfare, Noir is the court for you because if you join us, you're not just going to be able to engage at Faction Warfare in the highest levels with a lot of support from great pilots, but we'll also go into Wormhole Space. We'll go into other parts of LowSec. We'll go into NullSec and start fighting those guys too. And just gives you a great diversity of content that's really hard to find elsewhere. So come check us out. It's Cafe Noir dot in game. That's Cafe Space Noir, N-O-A-R dot, N-O-I-R dot in-game, and there's also a link to our Discord there. You can come hang out with us, get to know us a little bit. Come out on Fleet. That's our interview process. So uh, just like join us in space for a little bit. See if it's a good fit for you, and we're happy to answer any questions that you might have. And with that, whoever you're rooted for in this Alliance tournament, and whoever you're rooting for in Faction Warfare, good hunting, listeners. <laughs>